The following sermon is from Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. Listen now for God's word to you as it echoes to us from the book of Exodus, chapter 12, beginning with the first verse. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night they shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it, your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals, on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance." This is the word of God, for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Remember this day, says Exodus. Remember this, this day of judgment. Remember this moment, says God, this, this nail-biting moment when death was in the air and you ate barbecued lamb while trembling on the balls of your feet. Remember this day, says the Lord. In, in fact, 
put this memory at the beginning of your calendar, at the start of the year, organize all of your time around it. This is bedrock. This is the place of eternal return. Always start from this spot, this memory, that day when we as a people stood chewing bitter herbs with packed go bags at our feet and blood splattering our doorposts. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. This day? What are your days of remembrance? Is it someone's birthday, a, a wedding anniversary, a graduation? It, it could be a holiday. So many important memories that we have attach themselves to holidays. We always gather at the family farm for Thanksgiving. We always eat waffles in our pajamas on Christmas morning. We always read the Declaration of Independence out loud on the 4th of July. What days are days of remembrance for you? It's a big list, right? And the days that we remember, they don't all feel the same way. Some of the days inked on our calendars have a pretty serious tone to them. As a wider community, we, we mark moments of tragedy and conflict and tremendous loss. Pearl Harbor Day and 9-11. We, we set aside days to thank and remember those who served and gave their lives for this country. Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Individually, we mark the days on which our own loved ones left us. People are painfully and often silently aware when these anniversaries roll around. Every year on December 18th, the air feels heavy to me. 23 years have passed and I still mourn my mother's untimely death. Many of the remembrances penciled in our mental calendars are not happy, let's get a cake celebrations. This is true for our society. This is true for us as individuals. And it's also true, of course, for this community of faith. Every year, Christians observe a day of remembrance marking the death of Jesus. Good Friday, is a somber day. It's, it's somber because on that day we contemplate the suffering of our Lord and Redeemer, but there's more to it. There, there are layers. Good Friday stands atop an even older solemn remembrance. The death of, of Jesus occurs against the backdrop of today's passage from Exodus. Christ's passion occurs during Passover. According to the Gospel of John, Jesus dies at the very moment Passover lambs were being killed and ritual blood was being sprinkled on doorposts. Blood and death layered over the top of more blood and death. Even through the screen, I can feel you drawing back. Come on, preacher, has it been a bad week? You're skating close to the dark side of the force today. And I hear you, it's true. This past week, I've had a number of serious conversations with people 
who are walking a hard road, worrying over ailing parents, fretting over tight finances, concerned about losing a job or their inability to find a job, these are tough times. The honest conversations we're having right now are pretty darn serious. And and then, of course, there's our text for today. There's Exodus. Sometimes the good book itself lets heavy air in the room. I think I know why. As a clergy person, I've spent a good bit of time over the years fielding earnest questions from folk who are disturbed by the blood and death that ooze from Scripture's pages, from its most important stories. I mean, after all, Good Friday and Passover are not minor events for people of faith. In the face of these core narratives, these touchstones, people object. It often goes like this. Preacher, why is the Bible so doggone gory? Haven't we progressed past bloody sacrifices? Shouldn't faith focus on uplifting themes? Can't we get past our forefathers and foremothers' religious fixation, their cultish obsession with blood and death? My my answer to this question is invariably no. I don't think we can ever get past blood and death. Oh, oh, we can try. We we do try. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. Okay, I apologize, but I had to use that pun at some point. This is, after all, a series on Exodus. But denial. We deny death and blood all the time. I I talk to people who are afraid to make out a will because, they say to me, it means I'm going to die. I have news for these folk. I talk to bereaved people who want to hold a memorial service without a guest of honor, without the deceased being present, no ashes, no casket, nothing gloomy, one fellow said to me. We'd like a lot of balloons. Why? Because death frightens us. The death of those we love threatens our sanity. We don't want to contemplate it. We don't want to talk about it. We worry that we're not going to be able to cope. When death comes close, we feel as if we will unravel. And so we interpose balloons and we we do everything that we can to keep from going there, to keep from leaning out over the abyss. Over time... These denials weaken our souls, though. Ironically, when we avoid engaging hard topics out of self-preservation, we cut our spirits off from a source of courage and strength. In, In isolating ourselves from frank conversations about death, from the sight of blood, from the reality of our mortality, and the basic truth that each of us only has a brief time on this planet, we opt out of a powerful and formative experience. What experience is that? Roman Catholic writer and professional undertaker Thomas Lynch contends that we make a tragic mistake when we try to protect our hearts from the raw feelings that bubble to the surface in the presence of death. Don't run away from these emotions, Lynch counsels. 
Wade as deep as you possibly can into these waters. Whatever there is to feel, writes Lynch, feel it. The riddance, the relief, the fright and freedom, the fear of forgetting the dull ache of our own mortality. Get with someone you can trust with tears, with anger and wonderment and utter silence. Scripture agrees. Exodus nods. Passover is all about tears, anger, wonderment, and utter silence. On Passover, God's judgment descends on Egypt. It was an awful day, an end-of-the-world sort of day. It's the kind of day we typically reserve for blockbuster movies. It seems so over the top but until until we experience something like it ourselves, until we find ourselves some dark day on our knees, wheezing, frightened, that the promise of a better future, the promise of any future at all, has just blown away. On Passover, the good book encourages us to feel all these feels. Remember this day, says Exodus. Remember this day of judgment. Remember this moment, says God, this, this nail-biting moment when death was in the air and, and you ate barbecued lamb while trembling on the balls of your feet. Remember this day, says the Lord. In fact, put this memory at the beginning of your calendar, at the start of the year. Organize all your time around it. This is bedrock. This is the place of eternal return. Always start from this spot this memory, this day when we as a people stood chewing bitter herbs with packed go bags at our feet and blood splattering our doorposts. Remember this day. Doesn't God want us to have happy memories? <laughs> well, yeah, I think so. I believe God wants good for us. But it's simply true that part of wanting good for us means that God wants us to be prepared. God wants us to be ready for hard times. How do we prepare? Well, a good start, says Exodus, is to remember moments when scary things have happened to people of faith, when enormous challenges have stood before God's children, when, when hard things have had to be endured because... because because inevitably, hard things do happen to us. There will be times in life when we're not sure what's going on or if we are safe. There are, there are moments when we'll be unsteady on our feet, not knowing what next step we should take or, or where we are ultimately going. And this, my friends, this is why the good book wants to bind stories like Passover to our souls, because... They are real. And deep down, we know they are real. A frightening moment is unfolding around us right now. Death is in the nightly news. Go bags have been packed. We're not sure if everything's going to turn out okay. This, says Exodus, should not take us by surprise. Stuff like this happens. And your calling, says Scripture, your calling at moments like this as people of faith is to remember. 
when chaos swirls around you, remember that God's people have been here before. God has been here before. Is that true? We ask in low voices, oh, how we want that to be true. Trust me, says Exodus. Write this day on your calendar. Tattoo this story on your heart. Remember this moment when everything looked to be fallen apart and Passover will come to your aid. It will steady your spirit. It'll put a calm hand on your shoulder. It will lean into you and say, do not panic. God is about to do something new. God is always on the side of those who yearn for a better future. When all seems dark, my friends, remember Passover. Remember that terrible night when the journey toward something better began. My friends, as we journey through this season, remember, you are not alone. Trust that God has been this way before, that God walks this path with us now, and that God will lead us into a better future. Amen.